0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Canaan and Rinse podcast. This is volume 11, issue 515. We're going to talk about the wonderful 101. And joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue are Brian Edwards.
1: Wonder Eyes, red, white, and blue coming at you from the United <laughs> States. <laughs>
0: and Joshua Garrity. Hello there. Also red, white, and blue.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, and, uh oh, wait a minute. Also Mikhail Kroder.
3: Team, unite up! Roger! <laughs> Thought I'd bring a little bit of energy, you know, through the whole proceedings. I like it. Thank yes. you. Thank you. <laughs> what
0: is the Wonderful 101? It is, in my words, a stylish character action game from Japanese developer Platinum Games, but one where you control up to 100 tiny cartoonish characters simultaneously. According to Moby Games... The Wonderful 101 is an action game where 100 superheroes from 100 cities around the world collaborate to defeat the geth jerk, alien terrorists who attempt to invade Earth. The additional member refers to the player. And obviously, we'll get into the depths of the gameplay as we do. But I suppose if you wanted a very quick, this game is X meets X, it is beautiful Joe meets Pikmin, right?
3: (laughs) Sort of. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Bit of Devil May Cry, bit of Bayonetta, and a bunch of other stuff thrown in there for good measure, including Viewpoint and Punch-Out. And Anyway, we'll get into it, but it's a a real mishmash. Uh, But at its core, it is a Platinum Games action, character action game, with the sorts of moves and combos you'd expect, but also layers and layers of complexity based on the fact that you're controlling 100 characters. An interesting game to talk about hopefully and in fact it's uh it's mikhil isn't it this is uh we have you to thank for this one this year because this was your nomination
3: exactly you know going uh, straight ahead to the conclusion this was my uh, game of the year 2013 personally right uh and one of my favorite games of all time and cool. i'm definitely not unbiased uh, in this at all uh <laughs> discla- two disclaimers uh first off I backed the uh, the Kickstarter to uh have it uh resurrected on uh, modern platforms
0: to escape from the Wii U yes
3: Exactly uh and uh second of all um I was involved in uh managing project managing the microsite in Nintendo of Europe the promotional site, website for it as well Yeah yeah
0: Yeah and uh and so presumably you uh did you did you get a copy of the game as part of your job back in the day or
3: um I think I actually just bought it with uh with company discount. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh
0: and how sort of how much have you played it over the years and on what formats?
3: Uh played it on on Wii U only. The reason that I backed it was just because I wanted to support this noble effort. Uh cool. and uh yeah, only just on uh Wii U and yeah, I mean, I love the game with all my heart, but it's not like I have been playing it over and over and over again. I did a full normal playthrough and then I stayed on normal replaying missions and trying to get those platinum uh, yes. ranks, you know, Got it. Uh, which I never fully, fully completed. No, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, little tidbits right. here and there. But actually, yeah. uh, before we started this recording, I hadn't touched the game in uh, at least two or three years and I became terrible at it in the meantime. Yeah, yeah.
0: yes. <laughs> it's one of those games uh, unless you play it on the easiest settings, which we'll talk about, of course. Brian what's your history with the wonderful 100?
1: Um I had a, a Wii U and it was always on my radar but for whatever reason I I never picked it up on Wii U but um when the uh, the aforementioned resurrection effort started for the modern platforms I um saw that it was coming to Nintendo Switch and sounded that that was a pretty good idea t- to me and I I had purchased the game before we um had come out with the schedule for this year so um, okay. I actually owned it and I had played through the first couple levels and it wasn't really I'm not sure if I wasn't just just not in the mood for one of those types of games or what it was mm-hmm. but I bounced off a little bit and um but it was always something I run to come back to because people that spoke of it um like especially leading up to the remaster were speaking of it so highly um that I was uh you know looking forward to getting back to it and then um primarily uh pushed through to to the end of it for this recording. I think I finished it. Um, roughly two weeks ago, and I've been back in uh, quite a bit afterwards to try to go after those scores, like McKeel had said, um, with the most success over the last three days, honestly, <laughs> uh, which we'll talk about um, in a little bit. But, um, yeah, I think I when I rolled credits, it was about 20 hours, and I think my clock yeah. is up to about 30 now that I've yeah. spent uh, in the game. Yeah, so pretty much primarily played it over the course of the last two months uh, prepping for the show. Nice and fresh, good stuff.
2: Josh, what about yourself? So I, I bought this day one um, because this was uh, one of the reasons why I, I bought a Wii U. I was yeah. I, I, I just extremely excited for this title. Um, I had, on, on the week of launch, I had a, like an initial burst of excitement for it that pushed me about halfway through the game. And then, for whatever reason, I just drifted away. Um, and it wasn't until like a couple years later that I picked it back up again, right. pushed a little bit further in, um, got to like the end of Operation Seven and then drifted away again. Uh, I was like okay. so close to the end, but just for whatever reason, drifted away. And it wasn't until this week, um, ah. that I picked it back up and and finally finished it. Um, so this is almost almost 10 years it's taken me to yeah. to uh, finish this game so yeah there we go interesting yeah i'd be interested to hear
0: what uh, what you say about it based on that experience uh mine is yeah not so dissimilar in a way uh, i actually did get this uh, as a review copy back in 2013 it was the brief period i was getting paid to write reviews and um most of the time back then nintendo was sending loan cartridges out but uh, or even loan discs in some case cases but for whatever reason this one i was allowed to keep um and it was a boxed copy and i think that's the copy i still have to this day i'm pretty sure so uh so yeah i got it at the time played about 10 hours of it at the time for review and uh got yeah some decent chunk of the way through the game on normal um gave it a, a broadly positive review with some caveats i think it was a four stars i gave it uh, based on sheer fun. Obviously, context was this was uh, a time that you could already tell that the Wii U was starting to struggle for content titles, um, major releases. And so it was, you know, a review from the perspective of somebody who maybe only owns a Wii U and was looking for something to play. And, the, you know, as such, it definitely came as a recommendation. But it's an odd one in that it's also a game that, while it can be played on a fairly Uh, shallow level and enjoyed uh, there's a huge amount of complexity and depth here this is very much to play at a a good level is you know it becomes the the sort of the realm of the hardcore gamer the enthusiast Um, and I was writing for a kind of more um, casual focused site if you will mainstream so uh, so I couldn't give it a wholehearted recommendation and actually I had some frustrations with it uh, 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 myself since then, uh, I'd not really been back to it at all until the run-up to this podcast, but uh, but I have now played it for, I think, a grand total of about 40-something hours, um, finishing it on easy and uh, playing it through on normal. Yeah,
3: um, it's a lengthy campaign. Right? Yeah, lengthy it is. Game. I yeah. mean,
0: a lot happens, and the bosses have many, many forms. <laughs> and the yeah. cutscenes, and the cutscenes, <laughs> and the cutscenes, and the cutscenes, and yeah. you have to skip them bit by bit by bit, uh, even if you've finished the game already. Um yes so uh yeah uh it's 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 fresh in my mind and i've got better at it certainly um but i certainly haven't mastered it and we'll talk about uh how possible feasible that is how much of a draw that is for some kinds of players later but obviously none of us has really gone down that route even michel who loves the game and wanted us to talk about it you haven't gone to the uh the extra unlockable difficulty levels and the p- pure platinum and on the hardest settings and all wow. that kind of It's one of those
3: games that I put on my list for when I'm retired or something and I don't have anything else to
0: play. When (laughs) when your hands no longer function. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, it was uh, Platinum Games, as we say, a developer we've covered, as we know, born out of uh, two companies, Seeds Inc. and Odd Inc., and formed by a bunch of mainly ex-Capcom quite senior staff, people who had made some pretty legendary games at Capcom, Obviously, the likes of Shinji Mikami and Hideki Kamiya from Resident Evils uh, 1 and 2. And the games we've covered from Platinum on the podcast would include things like Bayonetta and Bayonetta 2. And any others? Vanquish we've done? We Neera haven't done... Automata. uh Right, yes. Uh, we haven't done Mad World. We haven't done Anarchy Reigns. Um, we haven't done Transformers Devastation or Star Fox Zero, although we did predict it. Um, <laughs> we've done Near Automata and we're going to do Astral Chain uh, in the not too distant future. So catching up with a bit of a bit yeah. of Platinum's oeuvre. Uh, it was published by Nintendo for the Wii U exclusively back in 2013. And then the remastered version was self-published. So this one is directed by the legendary Hideki Kamiya. Uh, formerly of, I guess uh, you would say, Clover Studio was the uh, the place that he kind of became famous at in his own right, yeah. making uh, Beautiful Joe and Akami. But obviously before that, Resident Evil 2 and uh, Devil May Cry under the, under the Capcom name, uh, known for being quite a character on social media. Uh, Takanori Sato uh, was uh, the director of the remaster. Uh, so, yeah, as I say, yeah. released in Europe first amazingly enough august twenty third twenty thirteen then arrived in Japan and Australia the day after, and in North America, you had to wait a few weeks unusually a couple of weeks uh, later to september fifteenth twenty thirteen yeah Brian well, yep, yeah rising the game targets a sixty fps as you'd probably hope and expect from a platinum games comee type of game, but the Wii U being a little underpowered and the game being genuinely quite demanding, uh, it virtually never reaches that target except on the loading screens, um, which is great because you, you run around on this, uh, it's got a Bayonetta style loading screen. Sorry if we're, we're referring to other games that you haven't played, but it's a, it's a between stages area where again, the Wii U being what it is, the, the loading times aren't exactly rapid. So you get a little um, area in which you can play around and there's just a few enemies you can try out your moves and, and whatever else. And that runs really smoothly. <laughs> um, and then you get into the levels and the frame rate pretty much tanks to around, I think it's somewhere north of 30, but but south of uh, 45. So that's pretty much the whole game from that point on. on There's the a lot in. going on, yeah. There is a lot going on, yeah. Now, the remastered version was the next version to come along. So this was kickstarted. Um, I don't remember too much about it. I, I remember... Some people having that kind of slight, uh, why are they kickstarting this? Uh, They they are a proper game studio. They have deals with all these big companies. They release all these big games. Why are they asking for crowdfunding? Um, But I guess, obviously, some people were perfectly happy to back it, such as yourself, Bikil.
3: Yeah, exactly. It's uh, being that I love the game so much. I just was uh, happy if more people would be able to play it. And I could see, you know, being that they self-publish it, I could see them, uh, yeah, just uh, maybe not, the whole thing just by itself not being financially responsible or financially viable. Yeah. So
0: anyway, but I think for broader reasons, uh, it's great news that the game did get funded and did get released on Switch and PS4 and Windows PC. The price is around £40. And I put this on my ps4 wishlist a while ago i haven't monitored the other prices other than to say i did notice there was a deal on a physical version for the switch in the uk recently for about it was about 11 quid to buy the cartridge in a box card which would have been good but having had the ps4 version on my on my console wishlist for for a time i've never seen
3: it drop below 30 quid yeah um and i think w- if you're after performance uh, the switch version is probably not going to be that much better than the wii u version
0: no it's higher resolution but uh but the frame rate's not much better obviously the yeah. pc version is the one to go for if if you're if you're absolutely uh desperate to get a 60 fps and higher uh consistently high resolution presentation Um, But if you want to play on console, the PS4 is a good uh, compromise. But yeah, it's not. they didn't re-release it cheap, despite the fact that it was crowdfunded. It's not Mm. a budget game. It's a a mid-price game, I suppose, or even old-school (sighs) full-price. Anyway, came out uh, North America and the EU in May 2020 and in Japan in June 2020. So enhanced resolution on all versions to varying degrees. Frame rate enhanced on PC and PS4. Has a little anti-aliasing on the pc and ps4 whereas on the wii u and switch it has none uh so depends whether you prefer your your polygons a bit jaggy or or a little <laughs> bit smoothed over obviously on the pc i guess you can choose um the all all the new versions to make up for the lack of gamepad have uh some picture in picture uh options which actually the original did have yeah. you reminded me um, only if you use a
3: wii u pro controller
0: yeah that's right uh, and so the uh, the drawing which we'll talk about uh, so you you create these unite morphs um, a key feature of the game is is drawing shapes to make your your dudes do various different attacks on the gamepad the idea was that you'd use the touchscreen but actually experts say just use the right stick anyway um, but the functionality of that on the switch is uh, you can still do it on the touch screen if you're in handheld mode. And rather neatly on the PS4, they did transpose that to the touchpad, which cool. I think might be a really cool way of
3: playing it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, the most efficient way to play the game anyway is to use the red analog stick to draw the shapes. If you can get good at it. But
0: I I find, and we'll talk about this, there are some places when the camera's in a certain position where it's quite hard to get the shape out that you want, even with the the analog stick, even though you feel like you're doing what you've been doing the whole time, which is one of my frustrations with the game. Anyway, Mm. Uh, I'll offer a spoiler warning. The plot is uh, kind of straightforward and pretty light on. uh, It's got some, I suppose it's got some Saturday morning kids cartoony kind of soap opera elements, but it's really a, fairly straightforward story I,
1: I think we might need to spend more than a, a little bit of time talking about robot mom at some point but um, sure but yeah uh, just just for my own brain to get that off my to get yep. that to, to unload very that welcome. baggage from my hold that thought <laughs>
0: we'll get there shortly Joe bonobo from the forum says you can tell this is a love letter to the works of clover studio with the superhero antics of beautiful joe and the unleashing your powers by painting mechanic of akami It's gameplay of beat-em-up action underneath a superficial real-time strategy shell really makes this game stand out from anything else out there. The abilities for each character are utilised well and switching between characters is usually streamlined enough that going through the levels can be a buttery smooth experience when you know what you're doing. The bosses are some of the best I have ever played and the music that plays when you've got them on the ropes is some of the most exhilarating piece of music I have ever heard. It really sells on convincing the player that they are the defenders of Earth, fighting intergalactic evil. Playing the remastered version on PS4, you can tell from certain sections of the game that this was really built to take advantage of the Wii U's gamepad and the option of using the touchpad. On the DualShock 4 is a somewhat necessary, if disappointing, compromise. The sections where you had to use both screens in order to solve a puzzle were implemented as best they could in this format, but I had the feeling they would have been a lot smoother to pull off in the original. They were one of the rare moments where the non-stop action gameplay would just stop to an abrupt halt and I had to struggle between two screens to figure out what I was doing. It didn't help that whenever I was in a building I would instinctively use the right stick to move the camera and instead I would be charging my power inadvertently. Definitely took some getting used to. My other issue concerned getting the hang of Unite powers when I would first get them. The hammer and bomb were especially tricky first time around, but thankfully with later levels, it does become second nature. The bomb was especially annoying as seeing as the character that uses bombs is called Wonder Black, I was waiting for a black colour to appear when I first drew a bomb. So I got really frustrated when I kept failing to defeat enemies that were used to introduce this power. It was only by looking at the top left corner of the screen that I realised his power colour is purple. In hindsight, it is not the end of the world, but it was a real annoyance when I first started out, and it could have been communicated a little better. Apart from these issues, this game was an absolute joy from start to finish. It revels in its Saturday morning cartoon cheesiness so much that it gives it a real goofy likeability. When it is at its best, it showcases why Platinum are so good at delivering high-octane gameplay and captures the essence of some of the best classic studios like Treasure had to offer. I think if I played this on Wii U, I would have really gotten the best out of the game. As it is, the remaster is still a really good time, but be aware of the limitations that the developers had to get around to get it to play on other consoles. If you're looking for something action-packed and a bit different to try out, The Wonderful 101 comes highly recommended. De month from our forum says Wonderful 101 is in my top 10 games of all time. Yes, some of the minigame sections are a slog and I hate going through level 6-2 with the flashback and ship combat, but this is easily the best thing Platinum has ever done, according to DeMunth. The feedback of using the hold button to grow the size of the weapon, learning you you can whip the spike bots out of their armour with a full 100 instantly, the catharsis of dropping a full-sized hammer on someone, all the secret unites, and I'm sure one of you engaged in unlimited form and put a thumbs up with the cast. I don't think I did, actually. Okay, Brian, mm. your time to shine. The scenario, the <laughs> script, the performances and the characters. I'm very happy to say that this game includes both the Japanese and the uh, uh, westernised American audio, uh, which features uh, quite a few of your familiar sounding voice actors from lots of other games and cartoons. But uh, but I elect uh the, the Japanese to me is more charming. So I did play some with the the, the Western on just to see what it was like. But um, Japanese, I find more endearing somehow earth is under attack from an invasion of enormous aliens and the only thing that can protect the planet is a group of unlikely yet mighty heroes with special abilities unfortunately the aliens are too powerful for the heroes to fight individually they must join forces and work together to defeat their common enemy these uniquely different heroes can morph into powerful weapons to crush the invaders or to turn objects into uh, like into objects like a giant fist or bridge to interact with and traverse the environments, but yes, that doesn't get into the the actual the yeah the character interactions the the hero motivations. Brian, what did you want to say? You can you obviously had something you need to get off your chest.
1: Oh no, I was more about the ending of the game. I was just I was more well, commenting on uh, <laughs> that. Like the game as it progressed, I, I expected the story to be kind of what you were describing. This kind of nuts and bolts. Um, obviously, the the. Um, uh, oh, I can't remember his name now. the The boy who keeps Luca. sneaking. yeah, Luca. Thank you. I was gonna say Lucas. I knew it wasn't right. Who keeps sneaking onto the missions with you? You knew it was gonna kind of. He had had some baggage going on, and mm. but I would say that Operation Eight and Nine, the story really goes full on into I would say some anime dramatics that I that I found yeah. quite charming. Um, and I could say that 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 honestly, I can remember absolute clear as crystal level sections from the first six seven operations but can't really tell you why we were doing what we were doing at that specific time just that uh we had another you know statue we had to save because it was connected to something you know not much yeah, that was it's almost like episodic you know
3: yeah exactly the, the whole thing also of course uh with the big ship and the way the characters are presented feels very Thunderbirds-like as well. Yes, uh, yeah. Apart sure. from all, the Super Sentai and the, and the superhero stuff. Oh, um, yeah. A bit Battle of the huh. Planet, Sketchman. Yeah,
1: well. yeah, but yeah, exactly. There was something so self-referential about that end with the giant platinum logo. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Being, yeah. The, P- being P- the or whatever core. It is. And, then, yeah. and then a giant, uh, essentially, essentially a giant Gundam rises from the ashes that has the brain of Luca's mom inside of it controlling it. Like, it got let's say it it went in an anime direction in a way that made me grinning ear to ear with those last two operations <laughs> that was all i that was all I really had to say about that it it was interesting because um I mean interesting to me because i when when getting towards the end and this and this is gonna kind of bleed over into how I feel about the gameplay and mechanics is that I really appreciated those anime kind of over the top um crazy moments in the story because by operation eight and nine. I was getting pretty frustrated with the moment-to-moment gameplay um, mm-hmm. of pl- of actual playing the game, so that was um, th- I-, I can say without a doubt that's what carried me through the end for sure. Was right. seeing what ridiculous explosion was going to happen next, and yeah. then you know finding out you know Vorken keeps coming back, and then you Ugh. know this guy that you cut in half earlier in the game is all of a sudden like stitched back together. It's it just like it was it was a lot of fun nonsense to me, and, and I did not that. As body. A, yeah, and uh, yeah. it was it would. I don't mean that negatively. Like like, there's there's definitely uh, a part of this game that that enjoyable nonsense is what I like most about it in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah I, I think
3: like, also that you said it kind of like you weren't enjoying the gameplay uh, uh, in uh, chapter nine anymore. I was, but I think it's kind of almost like an ideal video game narrative for an action game where it just you know it serves to push everything along and i think you know a, a story especially for a video game doesn't have to um tackle the bigger questions or anything if if anything um the story of the uh, of the wonderful 101 sort of yeah has this like incredibly joyous exuberance that shines through the whole game and is goes completely over the top and is to me incredibly likable and also, you know, sometimes a little bit more smarter and wittier than you were initially maybe likely to give it credit for.
2: The the, the thing, is, like, um, I was about to say that I I agree with Brian um about the the kind of propulsiveness of the ending, but like, j- just to be clear, like, I was never expecting anything smart or clever from this game. Like, I I came I came in expecting stupidity, expecting, like, Power Rangers-esque, you know, mm. over-the-top shenanigans. I guess, um, like, the episodic nature of the game previous to Operation 8 gave it this really stop-start, like, structure, which I understand what they were going for, right? They're, they're trying to... They are li- you very literally trying to emulate the feeling of... Of watching a Super Sentai TV show, right? Mm. Or or something like that. Like they're 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 trying to emulate that. But I personally don't think it works for the flow of the game. I I I need something that kind of pulls me for it can be stupid, it can be silly, it can be over the top, but having that kind of thing that pulls you through, um, I I didn't know how much I needed it until I felt its absence in earlier. Um, sections of the game bayonetta does have that um as stupid and over the top as bayonetta is bayonetta has that thing that pulls you through um vanquish does um astral chain does um so platinum can do it like they absolutely have the capacity to but th- th- i experienced the same thing brian did like suddenly i have this thing pulling me towards the end and i felt that propulsion and i kind of wish it was there all the way through the game, and not just in the final, final moments of the game.
3: I think, for me, in its uh, stupidity, I think it's also one of the smartest stories uh, I've experienced in a, in a Platinum game. Uh, just, just the way it's constructed, and just, uh, you know, like the, the little winks to the, uh, to the camera, of course, which they also do in, in Bayonetta. But it's, uh, I don't know, it's a little bit more clever in a
2: sense to me how how, how so uh, sorry to make you justify yourself Mikhail, but yeah, like how, how yeah, tra- in what in what way i'm trying to wreck my
3: brain um just just uh the jokes i think are genuinely funny in it and not uh unintentionally funny which sometimes uh you know you see in games like uh, seeing their work like bayonetta Like uh, all the little gags are just really work for me straight from jump when you when you jump into it and you got the overblown narrator uh, over explaining everything that happens on screen with stupid technical detail and the characters are there suspended in midair just waiting for for the narrator to carry on for example and just
2: Mm. can't hold themselves in place and, and those kind of things so so the part of that i think i i think i do agree with you on is i i think the english localization for wonderful 101 is probably my favorite amongst the platinum games yeah. um i think i think the script is really strong um it, it, on the curve right on the curve of the kind of game that i'm i'm comparing this to i think the the english script is pretty good mm-hmm. um And the voice acting across the board is really strong for what they're trying to do. Like they are doing a Saturday morning, like 90s era cartoon, and they capture that perfectly. Like everyone, like Steve Blum shows up Mm -hmm. towards the end of this game. He is just going full Steve Blum. Um, like it's, it, and like, I noticed some voice actors from young justice in this as well. Right, Um, it's just, it's really solid, the cast. Um, and I, and that adds a lot. Yeah. I, I, I I was kind of on the fence whether or not I was going to play in Japanese
1: or English. And when I heard Gideon Emery doing the voice of the, of the commander, he was, he also did the voice of Balthier in final fantasy 12. And I heard oh, that yeah. like that like real kind of pompous drawl. I'm just like, oh, I'm I'm into this right now. Like this is yeah, this is the type of voice acting I'm looking for out of this game. With how just how sarcastic teenager Wonder Blue is, and just how over the top genuine fight for right Wonder Red is, and even yeah. when it comes to Green with like the this very stereotypical French accent, which I know can can kind of go both ways, mm. like. There was a lot of low-hanging fruit with that character that they never took a swing at. Like they well, never. Yeah. We they, were they talking about this. Yeah, like, the other like, day. Yeah,
0: there are some almost punch-out level xenophobic uh, kind of yeah. or reductive at least uh, national stereotypes, including a Japanese one. We should say from a Japanese studio, so and it's kind of equal opportunities. Too, yeah yeah the russian one the the kind of the friendly lovable russian coward soldier hits a bit differently uh in the current current times yeah um but equally the gourmand character the the you know the heavy set uh uh, wonder green um all the the kind of the the mickey taking out of him is is his frenchness not his weight yeah
4: (laughs) yeah
1: yeah and um and also the kind of it's kind of amazing they you know take take this this character and then and then essentially with enough with enough characters around you equip them with a giant screen capturing rocket launcher to you know to take things out with and um i i thought it was i i i just felt like there were definite easy jokes easy plot lines easy just kind of swings that they could take that they didn't and i and i did appreciate that throughout um i also kind of thought at towards the end some of the you know the the uh, Luca's motivation Prince Vorkin's uh, motivation I think uh, some of those did work for me so so they uh, that was definitely by the end of the game my my you know most effective driving force to pull me through like Josh said
0: the bits that made me laugh were more the incidental bits just like the names of some of the the silliness of some of the other one the non featured wonder characters so the mm-hmm. sentinels who okay. who are there all you ever get is um you get you, the first time you kind of hoover them up you get a, a screen to show who they are and you can go into there's there's this game's got quite a comprehensive suite of uh, viewables unlockables you know art and character models and all that kind of thing and you can go in and view them later but uh, yeah the fact that some of your heroes are things like things like um you know wonder fruit and uh one what wonder guitar wonder ice cream uh, uh wonder mailman all these uh heroes who <laughs> apparently everyone's from a different country around the world um but uh but yeah as well as your kind of you know your your lead characters who can turn into whips and guns and fists you've also got uh, and, in, and in fact all these other characters turn into those as well they all have uh, i didn't realize until very late in the game you can actually tab between all of the characters in your party on the gamepad or whatever equivalent you're using and turn any of them into your lead characters mm. so uh, and they've all each one of them has uh, a, an affinity for one of the unite morph moves one of the main featured ones but if you want to feature uh wonder piero or or, or wonder professor as a wonder patisserie as your main character, you could you can wonder death.
2: Yeah, yeah you can death. do that. And in
0: fact, there's actually um, because using them uh, levels them up over time. Um, there's actually reason to level everyone up to the maximum, huh. and you get a uh, an unlock for m- leveling every single wonder person up to the to the maximum for four grades. So
3: you can be at this game for a long time. Oh yeah, 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 yeah retirement yeah. game indeed.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
3: Um, features
0: wise uh, according to some blurb players must explore each stage to find helpless citizens and recruit them to join their army of heroes the more heroes you gather the greater your special morph powers will be players can use the wii u gamepad's touchscreen to command heroes such as bonsai man vending machine man and even toilet bowl man <laughs> heroes can also morph into gelatin to guard themselves from en- enemy attacks players can also use the gamepad to explore areas unseen on the tv screen and solve puzzle elements um but before we talk more about the the gameplay um i think the we've, we've talked about the scenario setting characters and stuff but this all this all plays into the the art the visual design this bold bright colorful world uh exuberant i think was the word uh you used mickey or maybe it wasn't but that's certainly yeah, one that comes to mind from, you did confirmed, yes confirmed yeah. yes in your second language as well um <laughs> but yeah it's uh this is one of my favorite things about the game is just the the way that it is it's like a it feels like a throwback in some ways to yeah you don't know, you get,
3: also get that with the isometric view like it reminds me a lot of uh like a lot of classic sixteen bit games and computer yeah, games, yeah, I guess, and that sort yeah, of thing. yeah, yeah. And I, I even, um, yeah, it, I got like, uh, like SimCity uh, two thousand sort of mm. uh vibes from just yeah because of the well, zoom points.
0: You could say Diablo and stuff like that as well, or, yeah, or exactly. even that you know, real vintage isometric yeah. games the from the eight bit era, like the ultimate stuff, Nightlaw and and Batman. And I was so
3: taken with that that that's uh, sort of the visual concept i had for the website it was an isometric map with the different uh tabs oh. and taking you to different areas of the map that's very cool yeah. uh
0: so yeah you've got all these uh, chibi characters definitely a a nod back to beautiful joe which of course had been well about almost 10 years before this amazingly enough but certainly um i think the the tone and the the style of the characters was that's probably the 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 previous Kamiya game that it, this was most like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That the, the Wonder Red might as well have been saying Henshinagogo baby." Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he he. That's a clear uh, reference to the beautiful Joe and the and the you visually,
3: know, the... yeah. But they're very different characters. Oh, for sure. Joe yeah, is just, no, visually, uh, an yeah. I mean,
1: irresponsible uh, nutcase. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could. I mean, if 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 you just if you instead of having the hair poking out from above other men, if you just covered that in a red helmet, I mean, they'd be I'd, they'd be almost un you know yeah. undiscernible. Um, uh, and everything too. Like uh, when looking at the characters, like you said, Leon, like like the way and i'm not sure how this translated on the wii u i was playing on the switch so the fidelity was a little bit higher but um all the costumes and all of the mm. like effects they had like a real like 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 a real like plasticky leathery sheen to them and i think oh, it yeah. Really worked yeah. Um, yeah absolutely like it just like everything sparkled everything um yeah like it, look, kinda... it looked like uh early xbox 360 but then
3: more intentional it seemed like yeah, yeah exaggerated was, yeah
1: exactly <laughs> yeah I, I really did appreciate that especially um you know, when, when they would do, because you get these, you know, kind of leading up to these quick time events, these kind cut of cutscenes scenes of them, you know, turning into, you know, activating their wonder powers, doing these things, and they kind of go through the same, you know, animations each time, but I never quite tired of those just because
2: I thought they looked pretty, pretty good. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They they look like action figures. Yes. Yeah, yeah, is what they, they remind yes. me of. I, I I and I love it. I I just the way that the the portraits animate as well. Just like mm. deliberately skipping frames, stop motiony. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of that stuff. Um, it, it the for me because. Obviously I'm I'm not as versed in the Super Sentai stuff, but I am a child of the nineties. Mm. So obviously Mighty Morphing Power Rangers is yeah. very much a fixture of my of my childhood. Um and I loved how much obviously the two things are directly related due to weird production things. Um but um yeah, I just I loved how much um the visual style evoked that, like the choreography of transforming into your your wonderful form yeah. um and going into unlimited mode with the thumbs down thumbs up thing. <laughs> yeah. It all just reminded me of those like elaborate like Mighty Morphing Power Ranger transformation yeah. sequences or when they got the Zords out and yeah, stuff exactly, like that. Yeah. It was just And, like, and hugely... do you realize that they transform, even with all those animations, they transform
3: in three billionth of a second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um or even but, yeah, faster it, if you hold down the L button.
2: <laughs> it, it it's it's very and obviously deliberately so, like because um um a, you know for for Hideki Kamiya and and the team, I imagine this is you know is a piece of nostalgia for them. Yeah. But the whole thing is it, it triggers the nostalgia nerve inside my brain quite yeah. significantly. I just love the
0: boldness of the use of colour. The like the fact that when you dash you have like a rainbow like coming yeah. out from underneath yeah. you and, yeah, and yeah. it's all so lurid. And I love the look of the, the combined unite morphs, like it like all these figures kind of wrapped in this gelatinous plasticky kind of <laughs> yeah. thing so you got this bright red fist you can see it on the key art like there's all these little faces inside the yeah. the fist the idea that they've all joined up i mean it's so ludicrous and then um, they're getting
2: <laughs> slammed into heavy metal objects yeah yeah, yeah. Again, again like like those um those the, the red fist the blue sword that looks like it's like all of them in like some kind of like translucent yeah. jelly yeah yeah that feels like an add-on to an action figure do you know what i mean yes. like it feels Like you'd buy the the equipable blue sword for your wonderful one hundred and one action figures. I love that unite that feeling of a united aesthetic. But it's great.
0: On the downside, though, uh, Mm. from a practical point of view, as much as I really like the visuals, and there's loads of you know for a machine that was basically an hD Wii which was basically a powered up gamecube <laughs> like this this game is is shifting some polygons and and throwing some stuff around it's got some spectacular set pieces some some great technical uh showcases of Platinum's platinum skill my main issue with the visuals in this game is the mess the 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 fact that you are controlling this group of a hundred little you know fairly low poly models um the camera never seems to be in, in quite the right place or the quite the right level of zoom. You can control it to a degree. Um, some of the areas like the depth percep you know, the my, my ability to perceive the depth of the platforms and stuff like this. I know this is something that some people struggle with more than others, but it's something that I don't normally have a an issue with in, say, a Mario game, but I had it here a lot of times.
3: Um just I trying never to had it during the the combat because uh I think actually the zoomed out view for me at least it works like it's kind of practical. So you don't really have to shift any cameras around. Like you're you have more of a bird's eye view of the battlefield. And then when you home in on your leader character, you know, that's the most important information that you need to keep track of on the you know, during regular I, gameplay. I, yeah. But I I do agree, I do agree that it doesn't work at all when you have to do the crazy platforming sections. Yeah.
1: I I think I I think I might disagree on the on the battle stuff um because that zoomed out view um it it's fi- it was fine for me when we uh you know when you're all fighting as a unit but the that first time you take a hit and the and the frame rate slows down uh, it kind of it goes into slow-mo and then all of your hundred scars oh, so annoying. I I I, I the, me having that zoomed out view like I I will start trying to go into another combo. And I thought that I had scooped up enough of my pals and turned out I hadn't because there was a shrub that 40 of them were KO'd out in front of that I couldn't see. (laughs) And when I ran over there, they all pop back in. It's like, okay, that's good. And it would be one thing for me if that happened once or twice, but I, I found, and this is, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna say it's my fault or the game's fault. I don't think it's anybody's fault because obviously McKeel, will talk about those videos explaining the combat when we get there. Um, I wasn't using the combat effectively, but I, also the game hadn't told me that. I, yeah. No. So. No. Yeah. So I. So but I would go through these sections where I would just be like, you know, I I'd just be banging my head against not yeah, even a boss, same. not even a mini boss, just struggling to get a shield down to to get that to get the wheel going, and I would yeah. lose my characters, and I and I just literally could not see where they were. Yeah. Yeah. And so, the, and so, the
3: way around that, of course, is to extend your wonderliner and then dash across or dash across the screen with your wonder line and scoop everything up that might be anywhere. But yeah, again, the game doesn't tell you that. So that's a, a big I, strike against
2: it with the con cause we kind of skipped over the, the, the platforming um, element of that. Like I, I, with the combat, I, I agree with what Brian's saying. I think it, it, it was very much 50-50 for me and it depended on the arena. Sometimes I had complete clarity and, and, and that's yeah. when the combat singed. But then every once in a while there's two turtles on screen and I'm trying to deal with one but the other one's giving me trouble and I just can't keep track of both at the same time. But with, I think the platforming and navigation is more egreg- egregious. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because in everything I praised earlier, like I think visually there's not a you know, there's not a, a shot or a frame in this game that I don't think looks visually shum- uh, you know, um, sumptuous. Like it, it looks amazing. Um, but they've, I think they sacrificed readability, yeah, um, I for agree. that visual flair. Um, like I, I, I know, um, some other people on this panel struggled with navigation at, oh, at yes. certain points, and I really struggled with that, like not knowing where to go because yep. it felt like the level wasn't you know doing what le- you know great level design does which is guide you through you know guide you through the environment guide you to where you need to go next and then reading where i'm landing when i'm platforming like all of that stuff like i i don't with mario i don't i know some people do i know james on on the on our um in the canerins team like he he struggles with you know perceiving where he's going to land with Mario games, I don't struggle with that. That's not a thing that I'm I'm used to. But with this, it happened all the time where I felt like I was landing on a platform and I just fell to my doom, and I had the like the health penalty or whatever it is that that happens when you do that. And it's just it's really aggravating. It's really aggravating, and and I wish I wish there had been more attention paid to the readability and, and less to just just looking as good as it does. Yeah, I definitely
3: uh, don't disagree there. The, I th- easily the platforming bits, especially the you know the, the ones where you can drop through your doom, are mm. yeah the worst bit about the whole game for me. Um, and maybe also the the better you get at the combat, uh, the more tuned in you are to everything, and uh, you don't definitely really you know maybe the readability is a larger issue once you're still mm. trying to get to grips with it.
0: Uh, so, sound-wise, let's talk before we talk about the music. Let's talk about the sound effects and the sound design. Um, I think most of this is uh, is typically strong and responsive, and and gives you what yeah. you it want all from needs it. to
3: work in tandem with the visuals what we just were describing, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I
0: think there there maybe is an argument that things like the um the the unite punch fist, whatever it is, um, could have had a little more crispness to it 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 feels Mm. a little bit thuddy but overall like the 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 combination of haptics as you know as a bit of rumble even in the gamepad and um, audio visual feedback you know the way it's uh, it does the you know the kind of pause when you when you make a good connection and stuff like that and the 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 splashes of of contact on the screen combined with what audio there is and yeah obviously there's pudding pudding Um, there's obviously, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of, uh, shouting and, uh, hollering going on. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty, uh, it's pretty solid overall.
2: I think I think the sound design for you and your characters is very like functional, right? It's giving you the information you need. Yeah. You need to know that you've made impact, you you need to know you've successfully dodged, you need to know you've been hit by the enemies. I think the sound design for the enemies though is really really good, um especially the bosses. Um I think there's a lot of character and personality in, especially towards the end, like the final boss, um, voiced by Steve Blum, mm-hmm. um, just like all of that stuff I think is really, really strong. So uh, there's this like weird balance, I think of like, they, they make all the sound effects of the enemies really characterful, but all of your sound effects very functional.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep. And of course, as with the uh, most platinum action games, all the, uh, Sound effects are of the enemies are also very functional in a way that they telegraph attacks as well.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the sound design where I found it the most charming was when you were kind of interacting with the items in between combat encounters, like like uh, you know throwing all your hundred guys into a booth as that booth starts <laughs> yeah. to swell and pop, and an item comes out, or mm. just or just the breaking yeah. apart of um you know kind of those 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 they're not puzzle boxes, but they're item boxes that certain morphs mm. can open up or whatever and. And uh, and just kind of the whip cracking to peel off those spikes off a box, and then it pops out with a space pepper, and it's like, oh, that that's all you know. Every <laughs> every bit of sound around that just kind of you know brings a little smile to my face, and I I thought that was pretty good. But it, I do agree with Josh that like for the and and you, Leon, that with the attacks themselves, it it did leave some lacking of like I, I don't know why like the the unite whip when you're peeling the spikes mm. off of enemies like like it didn't have that. That crack, that that mm. like pop, I wanted to feel. I could never really Not know quite. when was the last attack that was going to bring off that right. that piece. So yeah, um, sometimes it was a bit spongy bit sounding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: I forgot to mention in the visuals. Uh, you talked about the 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 fruit there or whatever the peppers. I, how much I really loved the design of the pickups, the uh, the the little uh, vegetables and and capsules and things. Yeah. Um, they look so pretty and shiny and sparkly. The shame is that as with so much of this game, so so often you're so zoomed out you can barely see them. Um, Same with the coins, the collectible. So music-wise, there's a whole host of composers involved, most of whom will be familiar from uh, other Platinum games, but also some Nintendo stuff. Um, And there's a lot of, uh, I would say, kind of generic, bombastic hero music in there. But I want to start with the songs because I think Probably my single one favourite thing about this game is the song, uh, which is, as we said, lyrics by Hideki Kamiya. And actually, this is uh, an attest uh, testament to the localization. There are actually two translations of the lyrics. So Mm -hmm. there's the direct translation, and this appears. So if you go to the music player and play the Japanese version of the song, which only has one vocalist, by the way, multi layered. You get a kind of a fairly literal direct translation of the lyrics, which are, I think, very charming in themselves. Then if you play the English version of the song, which has, I think, three vocalists working together in harmony. That has a different translation, which is slightly more uh, of an adaptation rather than a literal translation. So, but it actually it is substantially different in terms of the, some of the things that it says in the song. So it's worth enjoying both. I'm sure we'll stick a yeah. bit of uh, maybe each of them front and back. But my single favorite moment in The Wonderful 101 uh, is probably uh, maybe when the combat's going really well on some of the battle scenes. But if it isn't that, certainly the thing that stood out to me the first time was when the music, when the singing first kicks in. And yeah, it just it m- makes me grin, makes me laugh.
3: Yeah, I love that song. You know, the music is, uh, again, very much uh, deeply part of uh, the package as a whole, whereas uh, Bayonetta could afford to be uh, somewhat idiosyncratic using a poppy uh, action jazzy piece as well. Combat was going on. Um, The wonderful 101 plays it uh, very straight in that aspect with music that would befit such a bombastic Saturday morning cartoon action experience
1: it actually reminded me a lot of the i was saying this in the in in the green room um mm-hmm. the uh the, like original star trek uh score and mm. and even like richard donner's uh superman kind of yeah. like early superhero-y type yeah. of stuff like like just real big horns you know exaggerated um uh, uh sounds and kind of major sweeping key. melody major key everything in major key exactly um yeah i i, I did appreciate that but also um like I, I i've been listening to the soundtrack over the course of the morning just kind of uh, as i've been doing things around the house and it's just kind of <laughs> it's
0: a great backing to like doing the <laughs> yeah army, yeah or...
1: when i was washing dishes i did feel amazing um <laughs> <United but> no... <laughs> broom <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um but yeah so it was um but yeah just kind of i don't want to say forgettable because it's not it just was maybe more more kind of standard well like mckeely said something like a bayonetta even astral chain and and well obviously near automata those are different mm-hmm. games, but like it doesn't ha- it doesn't stick the same way um, maybe some of their other soundtracks did in my head.
3: No, I think it's uh, it's really there to underscore the whole concept and the whole action mm-hmm. rather than uh, having uh, a- apart from the song maybe rather than having some
1: earworms in there. Yeah. Oh yeah, that song is awesome. <laughs> no <doubt>. Yeah, this, <laughs> the song is
2: great.
0: Yeah, I also like the the wonderful mart tune. The uh, which, oh yeah. which is mixed say. is mixed to sound like you're in a shop. So it, yeah. it, you know, in in Japan, you'll you'll have seen it in Shenmue and uh, Yakuza. You go into yeah. a shop, and there's always music playing. I think it was more popular to do that uh, in in the UK back in the maybe in the 60s and 70s. Um, yeah. Less you get some stores with like in-store radio now, but but uh, specifically designed in-store jingles and stuff. It's got that going on, which uh, which is yeah. quite charming.
3: It's always a moment when the shop pops up. Yeah.
0: Let's get into the gameplay. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, first up, Da Month from the forum says, word to the wise, don't use the stylus or whatever, your finger, I guess, to draw the shapes. The right stick is just a lot more responsive. So say uh, expert players, and obviously it means you don't have to take your eye off the screen to mm. draw a shape as well. Um, so yes, the wonder liner, this is what we're talking about. You draw glyphs. And they become Unite Morphs, which allow you to, yeah, punch, whip, saw, hack, razor blade, hammer, uh, and so on. Um, There's actually quite a lot, um, including a load of secret ones, uh, which I wasn't really aware of, Um, depending on how many of your group, which... The more you play the game, the more it fills up with the aforementioned named characters. But when you're first playing and when you first start a level, you only have a small number. So you recruit all these kind of bystanders who are just regular folks who happen to be in the area. You draw a
3: little
0: little line around them and and they get attached to your group. And you've got the number uh, so you can see how many folks you've got. Then you've got a battery, which is Unite Gauge. And that dictates also how many you can throw into any particular attack so you can uh, make an absolutely massive fist or sword using a huge amount of people um or if you if you want a smaller version you can put a few into it now all these different things have uh have their uses depending on whether you're in combat in some cases uh, you need them to solve qtes or puzzles as well But this is, I guess, the core of the game, and I suppose one of the first techniques that I wasn't, that I was underusing, before I went to the videos that you reminded me of and uh, and uh, sent me over to, which uh, a friend of the show who was on our Beautiful Joe podcast, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, industry and and genre legend, Sorry and Dash, he made some videos for the game. Uh, were they they published officially on Nintendo channels as well, or were they just
3: no? But no, we did okay. promote them. I I right. actually I worked with him on uh, on those videos initially, but I went yeah. on holiday and then sort of mm. the contact between uh, Noe and SOAR fell apart. But he still felt it's a shame. He still felt like uh, he wanted to do those videos because he's a he was a big uh, evangelist of Platinum and of Wonderful One Hundred One as well. Yeah, absolutely. So so yes.
0: here's a guy. Now this is a guy who we know is he's, he's got that thing going on where he's absolutely amazing at these games. He's played them all. He's, he's absolutely rinsed all the devil may cries and the bayonetters and everything else. And he knows exactly what's what, right? He, he knows and, and he's practiced them and he's got skilled at them. Yeah. Um, I think
3: more importantly, even he just has this neck to yeah. sort of pick games apart and see what, you know, yeah. you see the function in everything see the and everything and see how, yeah. how, see the matrix and just sort of yeah. breaks them apart and then puts them back together again.
0: But I think it it is important that we say like I th- I don't know I don't know if Josh went back to it after looking at any of this stuff, but I know that both Brian and I did. And this game, if if you just want to bash through this game, if you get it, you know, if you get it for cheap or whatever, or you don't have the time or the energy to get good and learn all the techniques and the complexity, but you just want the full color silliness, the cartoon fun, just play it on easy or even very easy. You can bash through the game. It's I think, you know, that arguably you might be missing out. Um, but there are depends
3: cha- on what you're looking for in a game, of course, like you say.
0: Precisely. But there yeah. there are challenges and frustrations to play in this game, even on normal difficulty. Um, yeah. and certainly above. However, if you watch these videos and, and sort of do a bit of searching about maybe some techniques to fight some of these bosses and stuff, it is transformative. Yeah. It becomes it's suddenly like, oh um, the amount of key functionality that the game doesn't really bother to explain to you that even Saurian's a set of six or so five to eight minute videos. Mm. So the thing that, so I'd, I'd played through a large, uh, completed the game on easy, played through a large chunk of the game on normal before I knew that the basic team attack, climb attack. Crucial. Absolutely crucial
3: yeah yeah it's like how in beautiful Joe, if you uh don't uh dodge the skull attacks, you yeah. know you're just bashing into enemies with uh, with them you know feeling like you're bashing into- bla- wet blankets and you're not being yeah doing any damage and then they're just powering through your every move with super armor
0: yeah yeah and uh, it's hard for us to understate the difference that just if knowing some of these techniques makes i think Brian, you had this experience right for the last uh, i
1: just like almost yeah. it, it was incredible really the difference that was so um what i what i found that i wasn't using well enough were the team attack climb attacks and the unite mixes um mm. so basically what uh, i had somehow mix, yeah, yeah. what i had somehow missed and i'm not sure how i don't think the game i went through i looked through the messages i looked through the help i don't think it ever really told me this or at least at least if conveyed its effectiveness yeah yeah. was it after you draw your unite more after you draw whatever weapon you want to use um uh if you press the main attack button, that becomes your weapon. Yeah. But if you press the on the switch, it would have been the X button, the top yep. button out of the yep. four. Um mm-hmm. it turns into the your teammates use that weapon and then you can still use the weapon you were using before. Yeah. So yeah. I found so what I what I could not believe, I thought I really liked uh, Wonder Green's character. But I thought his actual weapon. use, I would never use it playing the yeah, game. Yeah, like I would just. Yeah. It was. It was slow. It was a pistol, and it kind of. It didn't do much damage.
0: It's just for solving the odd puzzle where it, or, or a boss that's firing cannonballs yeah. at you. You exactly. can fire them back, yeah. or you open a thing with a target. What is the point in using it? Well, it turns out the game is actually Devil May Cry.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> so so I so I draw that line. I start using it with the X button, and and he's just just absolutely pistol popping this guy into the air and when i say these guy it was one of those um it was in the first level it was one of those tanks with a shield on front that you can ah. re- you can reflect the cannonball at and those,
0: so, those can be so frustrating when you don't exactly. know what you're doing yeah. so
1: that thing's in the middle of a jump attack and this is a hyper specific story I apologize but it's in the middle no, of a no, jump no, attack it's perfect I use unite mix with the gun so he's just shooting him in the air I draw a unite sword and I'm slamming out my attack button and I I kid you not less than 10 seconds I had shredded this enemy to, to yeah. bits and yeah. i would say i probably the first time encountering them the, there's a part in the first oper, operation 1a where you there's two of them together yeah that i just spent so much time just reflecting cannonballs back at the yeah. back yeah yeah. Back, yeah probably yeah. a 10 yeah. to 15 yeah. minute encounter yep. and i got done with it and i got like the you know the the red metal the hey thanks for trying metal <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> for it and then. And then this time it was ten seconds pure platinum, pure platinum, pure yeah. platinum. every time. I ended up golding yeah. that level only because I I would have platinumed if I had saved the c- civilians. I accidentally right. burnt them to death. My apologies. <laughs> uh, yeah. my apologies. I didn't yeah. I didn't solve the. Ex- there was a tanker on the ground. I was excited. I hit it with my sword and it exploded. I apologize. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, but yeah, I ended up golding that first level. I took a screenshot of it and sent it to the Slack because I was just like, yeah, yeah. It cut my time by by more than by more than two thirds and and. I instantly increased my score on and and I found myself being after that I was like well what else can I do and I just kept going it was just one step and the unfortunate reality is that I have a lot of negative things to say about my initial playthrough of the game um but in two to three weeks, I might be singing this game's praises.
0: Completely, cause... if I'd known then what yeah. I know now, and it's exactly. not even really like ultimately, it might be about quotes getting good, like in terms of platinuming the whole game or whatever. But in terms of just enjoying the game, it's not even about getting good; it's about understanding the mechanics. Understanding the
2: yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. and uh, and yeah, then yeah. the uh, enjoyability factor goes up. Yeah, for sure. Brian and Leon. Uh may not be intentional but you, you're taking on a lot of the burden of responsibility for not knowing that stuff I do think it's the game's fault yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that you didn't Same. know yeah. I, it, 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 it the onboarding in this game needs an overhaul like I, I think the first third of this game should have been dedicated mm. to teaching you all of this yeah. Um. but instead it feels like it teaches you the bare minimum mm. and then just leaves you alone yeah. and it's just like well okay i guess i fend for myself now maybe even and, less than and, the bare minimum yeah. yeah yeah and 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 it feel the thing is that feels so um unusual for this developer um because i like mm. all of their games like all of their their games have like a floor that they operate at right yes. like you can you can play bayonetta as like, uh, just a, you know, Mash. button basher brawl. Sure. Like, you can play Vanquish as Gears of War if you want to, mm-hmm. but the game tempts you. It, it it has these carrots that it uses to... And, and these teachable moments that it uses to encourage you to to go beyond that, right? That, to encourage you to think beyond that. Mm-hmm. I think Wonderful 101, and it may just be a product of this game being unusual... It not fitting like a very familiar template in the way those mm-hmm. two games do, um they struggle to find those carrots they struggle to find those those opportunities to get you to 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 up your game I think that's um, it, which is a shame.
3: I think that's it. I think the game gives you just as much as the other platinum games, only it's just so unusual that that's not enough in this case, yeah, I mean, I hate to be that guy and say as a game developer but with our little <laughs> shoot 'em up that you we made, which that. is you not are. nearly, which is not nearly as uh, as complex as the wonderful one hundred one is, um, we felt like also through a lot of testing, like just the idea of actually having to fly into bullets in a shoot 'em up was alien, you know. So, which ended up with us actually having <laughs> a forced tutorial in the game. Because yeah. otherwise we would just find people yeah. starting to play the game and not enjoying themselves because yeah. it hampered their enjoyment, not knowing what the game actually wanted you to do. And we tried to do it in a lot of elegant ways, just by the level mm. design and everything, but there was just too much to clock and too much to register where people were still just still wouldn't get it. yeah So I think actually, yeah, I think that's a, a big thing where
2: they, they faltered. Just actually teaching you these things it, it's such a shame because like um when it sings it it really does sing mm, yeah. like i i i don't want to because i i feel like the only things that i've said about the combat are negative i i want to just say like when you have a level that feels readable and you've got the right amount of enemies on screen and you feel like you've actually like you figured out like i it, When I first encountered the turtles, the turtle enemies Mm -hmm. that you, you, the kind of late game enemies, the total nightmares, if you, I I I hated them. I hated them so much. But then I solved them. Yes. And every time they show up, it was just like a joy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You try and stomp on me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, You just try it. And just getting the hammer out and and (laughs) getting multiple hammers out. Yeah. Just drawing it, like, just slamming the shell until it's cracks like a cream egg It's just <laughs> yeah. like the best yeah, yeah. Um, that's it i i i just i wish the whole game was like that like it, it the, the the peaks that wonderful 101 reaches in terms of gameplay are really high like I, mm. I i genuinely think it's as high um as any of other uh of any other platinum game out there it's just not consistent um and e- this is the case even when you've watch the Saurian videos and and you have a better understanding I think there are occasions where like for example um, and this only uh, happens occasionally because it's context specific but um, when the prince joins your party and you've got the boomerang um, ability the boomerang is too similar the drawing too similar to the gun Mm -hmm. and so often I went to draw the boomerang and I drew the gun and vice versa i went to draw the gun and i drew the boomerang Mm. instead and that level of fiddliness Mm -hmm. like it's enough to pull you out um and i i just wish it had the consistency of platinum's other titles because there is a great action game in there um that just needs a bit more a bit more polish in my eyes at least
3: i think it's uh it's remarkable um Leon started describing the action as if it's the most normal thing in the in the world, but it's an absolutely insane concept, of course. Yeah, yeah. Having all these little guys running behind you, uh, getting uh, you know molded into shapes and using them as weapons—it's um, just—it's just nuts. And um, I think it's very important uh, from a player perspective to realize: yeah, it's Devil May Cry, but it's also not. Because the squad element at when you start start learning the game, you might be tempted to think it's just more like, you know, it's fairly super superficial. But it becomes a, a resource man, a resource management thing with all these characters running behind you. Where well,
2: that's, that's that's where the Pikmin element comes. Yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. Right? So like the team attack is there it, yeah. to to stun
3: yeah. the larger larger enemies and lock onto them. Uh, but of course. When you do that, you dedicate like your uh, your human resources to um, <laughs> to, to cling on to those, which means that you have less uh, you have less little guys behind you to make your unite Morse with. And then if you want to make one really big weapon, that means like you won't have enough wonderful ones anymore to make your smaller weapons too much unite mixing. So it's, it becomes this really delicate uh, once you start getting into the higher levels of gameplay. this really delicate, delicate sort of juggling of your uh your little guys that uh, that are part of your squad which is uh yeah it's unlike anything else really it reminded me actually at times of uh because there are a lot of
0: buttons and combos especially once you realize you need to kind of use them all uh, i think there's the temptation at first to only use a, a small selection of your, mm. your your unite powers and your buttons i certainly drift into that in a lot of games i guess maybe it's partly because uh my brain still goes back to you know, when games were left, right and fire and it's easier for me to to kind of uh, strip things down a bit. Not that, you know, not that there haven't been more uh, demanding games in that fashion that that I have uh, played and, and learned to play. But it reminded me at times of almost uh, Tony Hawk games in the sort of the finger kind of juggling and the, the brain, the hand hand eye coordination kind of thing. Yeah. Where you're yeah, actually even
3: like when you're using that right analog. Stick, yeah. Just how large do you draw the shapes, you know, like yeah. that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and transferring quickly high, from the dash button
0: is. to the you're using the, the dash button to run fast. But then you can't there's um, it's the order in which you press the buttons is important as yeah. well. Holding yeah. down yeah. the L button, which I didn't even know about is uh, to because you so some of the this was another thing that I, I think there's a real issue with. Some of your absolutely key abilities are in the shop. So yeah. I think in a way that's the I that's them at least giving some suggestion that you might need to read the description of an item to learn how to use it but like your your defense you on which is on uh, ZL on the gamepad uh it's it's a counter attack once you buy this particular item yeah. in in that it hurts enemies but it doesn't start as that uh and obviously you know the idea is that you you collect all these uh coins in the game and you can therefore get all these um, perks and mods and, and and abilities that make you better and you can revisit the earlier levels and and get good but uh, get better scores and whatever else but this this uh, unite guts um i can't remember what the actual thing is called but where you t- where you where your jelly turns into a spiky jelly it's a game changer it's another game changer but it doesn't like i you could play this without ever even Buying it and yeah. you just and then I just, you,
3: I, later on you can double tap and then turn into a spiky ball instead that's of rolling it. around the stage. Can, yeah. yeah,
1: I just want to ask a question because it might be new in the remastered. Um, there was a, a a thing in the remaster where it said the first time I ever entered the shop, it was like oh, we've marked a couple of these items should be the ones you should get first. Oh, yeah, that's, new. That, that's, that's new. new. That's new. Okay. That's not in the Wii U version oh. because <laughs> I because I got Unite Guts first because right. of that. It, there's yeah. this little
3: everybody was basically saying that like why don't it. You know why don't they just give you these immediately, or,
1: or why don't they point it out that, you, that these are the ones that you need to buy immediately? You go into the shop and there's this little P star robot floating next to the item, which basically <laughs> with a little like arrow that's like these are the two. Like it was, it was um, it was unite guts, and it was the one that makes you the drawing faster. I can't remember yes. what it was called. Wonderliner um, the or speed, yeah, liner. yeah, you and there was speed another liner, one too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you got the um, attack liner as well. Yes. Yeah, and liner. Yeah, I think those yeah. are. So those it starts out with those three. Right. Says hey, buy these first. And I was kind of expecting that once I bought those three, it would be like, all right, here's the next ones to get. But it yeah, never appeared again. No. Okay. So well, that's like, something.
0: Oh. That's an interesting yeah. sort of slightly half-hearted quality of life improvement, but yeah. better than nothing. Obviously, this game also has because it is a Platinum Games style character action game or characters action game. Uh, it has a complicated uh well complicated it has a sophisticated let's say uh multiplier system which obviously goes into your score every every little mm, subsection of every level you get a grade for uh time uh combo and damage damage yeah um and uh you want to yeah you want to get as higher medal on on each of those as possible and then you get uh, trophies for each uh, for each subsection of each operation, and you can, look, as with Bayonetta, again, you can look at a screen that shows you all your different trophies on all your different levels. And yet, if you're uh, if you're somebody who really wants to master the game, you could surely go for for the best, you know, fill up your fill up your grid with shiny platinum, and um, and feel very satisfied about it. And there certainly is some fun to be had, even once you've got moderately good to the point that you understand the mechanics you can parry you can defend you can stun juggle and launch and do all those traditional devil may cry uh, bayonetta things you can then go back to the early levels and go and and wreck shop and yeah that's that's where the
3: dance starts where enemies are no longer a threat but you just try to optimize how to you know finish them as fast as possible so I'm assuming that
0: some people listen to this because this is an underplayed game, but I'm assume, assuming a lot of our regular listeners will listen in out of curiosity. What, if people want to play this to the to the point that they get the, the most out of it, maybe, you know, maybe m- m- we're, we're going to assume that most people aren't going to spend 150 hours mastering it, but they want to at least... S- suck the marrow out of it and get more fun than just blasting through on the, on the easiest difficulty to see everything. You can do that. That's, that's cool too. But if you want to get a bit more out of the gameplay, what are the essentials that everyone needs to know? Would you say, uh, Mikhail?
3: Yeah, I think the, the team attack is, uh, is number one. I think it's almost more important than getting the unite spring and the, and the, uh, uh, unite guts, uh, for, for defense. Um, describe and, the,
0: describe that a little bit. Uh, how does that work? Because yeah, again, I, I it need- looks really weird.
3: You got your little <laughs> squad of guys standing, yeah. uh, guys and girls uh, standing around you, and when you press the X button, they all sort of lunge forward in a very rubbery, unnatural yes. sort of way. Yeah. And uh, basically, every time you do that, you push enemies onto the enemy, and they start clinging onto them, Pikmin, Pikmin style, and start pummeling the it. enemy yeah. until they sort of break. There's stun there's a like a, a hidden stun gauge, and when that's broken and the enemy sits there days with all these little guys continuously doing damage uh and this is also the point where they don't they no longer super armor three moves and everything and you can really go to town on them uh unite mix is big uh, indeed where uh yeah you let your team do one move and you uh with what with one weapon and you do the other uh, other weapons um and um launching launching is super important and of course the uh special moves that you uh use with uh with all your weapons like uh the stinger style the launch like you just said uh the cyclone move to keep things suspended in the air and then you can tombstone them into the ground again and that's there's something a lo- you buy lo- as well isn't it i think the tombstone. exactly so yeah, that's that's a big well. thing actually like that's also why i mean it would be a bit much if you had all those abilities at the gate of course but also, it takes a little bit before you get all those abilities via the shop and everything. Yeah, uh, bef- and you know, it, it, there's there's just a curve. Uh, it's not going to be as fun in the beginning, no matter how quickly you pick up on it, as it is towards the later game.
1: I the only thing I'm going to disagree with you there, on McKeil, is that you're right. You're not going to be able to. You're you're going to get better as you play, obviously, but. If I had known about Unite Mix and Team Attack and their and what they actually did and their actual effectiveness when I started playing the game, I would probably be you and I would be sitting in a in a in a, in a tandem chair mm-hmm. probably right now just mm-hmm. singing the praises about this game. We I yeah. I probably yeah. I I'm on Operation Two Three of my playthrough now, replaying the game. You know, yeah, like yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm gonna probably not. I mean, not because I won't have a deadline, but just over the course of time, I'm gonna replay this entire game because I'm having so much more fun. Like it, like an in an incredible amount more fun than I than I did before. To the point yeah. where my first playthrough, I'm hoping, is going to be a distant memory because <laughs> yeah. because it, my my two journeys are so different. Yeah. And. Yeah. And yeah, oh, I do have more powers and I have more unlocks. But the things that are making it more different aren't those items that you buy after playing through multiple levels. It's just the techniques. Mm. And... Yeah,
3: yeah, that's a, the the most important thing. But a lot of those techniques uh, also are bought in the shop, of course, uh, like the 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 special moves and the yeah. skills. But uh, but that's what what we're saying. Also, you know, um, what do you absolutely need to know? It was uh, was Leon's question, uh, and yeah team attack and mm. uh and unite mix are really not uh, explained well at all uh and yeah those those are super important
0: you get a reasonably generous health bar the game throws you through a few bones with uh, a decent number of uh retries continues you lose score for that yeah. there are also some items you can collect and buy which uh which are es- essentially sort of boss damages but again, using them compromises your score. But the game gives you plenty of ways to uh, brute force your way through. But yeah,
2: it, it's yeah, it's very generous checkpoints. Um, that too. So yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It even remembers how damaged enemies are and stuff yeah. like that, which is yeah. uh, which is an unusual treat.
3: But I think we all we will probably all agree that uh, the key is trying to enjoy the game. Uh, uh, you know, learning the game is more about actually enjoying uh it rather than that that the difficulty in itself is a hang up
2: yeah yeah yeah, no i so like i think that the the point just to back brian's point up i it, it like I'm not expecting to you know be a kung fu master with with wonderful one o one systems, i think just knowing this stuff just is a leg up to en- like oh, yeah. a significant leg up yeah. um to enjoyment. to
3: be, to be fair also, or to be clear, i wasn't. Disagreeing with Brian either. You know? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. As the only American, I feel very attacked right now. Um, <laughs> I don't have Leah here to back me. Up. No. No, uh, yeah. no I, I, I
3: agree with everyone. Non-Americans that are uniting up here. <laughs> <laughs> Unite, black.
0: <laughs> the general rule to yeah. remember says sorry and dash on one of these videos. And again, this was a, a lesson harshly learnt and uh, mistakes that I still make through lack of being... Clever or inter you know, ob- obs- obs- uh, observant. The general rule to remember is that Unite Guts, i.e. defense, cannot reflect sharp or spiky attacks, beam attacks, flame attacks, or blows from enraged enemies. Yeah. Well worth remembering. Enraged enemies, uh, this game has the kind of uh, classic uh, hot steam whistle goes off. Enemies go, <laughs> get red and really angry and... Um, start start kicking off um yeah. but yeah it's very easy to just find yourself again like yeah frustrations with this game involve just not understanding what to do in in particular situations
3: yes yeah. and the thing is also when the game came out i think uh uh it was kids McDonald mcdonald's that gave a, a review of it mm. which was uh yeah not very kind right uh, and then of course, you know, a lot of angry people started uh yeah. going uh, going at her and uh and linking those uh, sore videos to her. What do you mean it doesn't control well and this and that? Yeah. Um but yeah, like we I think we're all in agreement of I think the fault you know, the blame lies at the game that it doesn't explain itself yeah, well we, at all. We like talk a lot about... From the,
0: we don't want over-tutorializing or hand-holding, but you do want systems explained, especially in a game that exactly. has this much depth, right?
3: Yeah, this much depth and how... Uh, yeah, how, how much... How critical it, it is to know these things. And, and, yeah. and, I mean, and unusual it is and different it is from most other games in the, in the genre. I,
2: I have to say, like... Um, you know spoilers for a later issue platinum definitely learned this lesson but maybe went too far the other way (laughs) Um, because astral train belabors the tutorial tutorializing of Mm. its systems to a point which I think is a little bit too extreme interesting so I think platinum definitely paid attention to this interesting so Hmm. yeah
0: so this game yeah features a number of uh, big boss fights. So there are nine operations in total, not including prologue and epilogue. Um, I think it's not actually like the pacing or the or the layout of each level is not symmetrical. It's not completely predictable because there are so many sort of off the beaten track types of level. There's a lot of variety in this game, but generally, at some point during each operation, there's going to be some kind of big boss fight. Some of those take the form of uh, minigames which are tributes to whether it's Pandora Dragoon or Space Harrier or, uh, as we say, Viewpoint or or uh, what else have we got in there, Punch-Out! Um, but sometimes they are just big, wonder, wonderful 101 Platinum Games type fights against the bosses. And again, I suppose, um, you know, not everyone loves a boss fight and uh, we've talked before about whether the majority of bosses in video games are <laughs> are a good thing or, or something that we actually roll our eyes at. It depends very much on the developer and the game.
3: Carl is very much anti-boss fight, right?
0: Yeah, but I think um, but I think here, again, it, it comes down to uh, learning and understanding the boss and somebody who doesn't get a lot out of that. So I've had, even post-understanding the mechanics better, I've had a heck of a time with those Prince Vulcan fights uh mm. i find those well, the thing about the prince
3: vorkan fights is that they kind of break a lot of the rules of the regular combat yes
0: and i did so, some searching so on that this so that's less than ideal yeah i did some searching on this and i found a lot of similar forum posts around mm. the internet saying what do i do against prince vorkan um everything i know up to this point doesn't seem to work or if it does it's not consistent Um, and yeah I've ended up having some really long drawn out frustrating battles where I'm forever picking up my group and uh, using items and whatever else Um, and usually
3: what I did was uh, abuse a lot of unite gun actually and just try to zone him out and uh, okay uh, chip away sort chip away yeah but it's not going to be not that satisfying but not so satisfying and uh, it doesn't give me fast times but at least I could Keep my damage minimal that way. Mm. What do you reckon, Josh?
0: Bosses and Prince Vulcan?
2: I, I so Prince Vulcan was the hardest. Okay. for me, yeah. Um, that that was the peak of a repeated fight for the bosses. that gets harder yeah. each time. Yeah. yeah,
3: this is supposed to be the Jean fight or the Virgil fight. Of you course, know, like the, you uh, versus yeah. rival, and, yeah. equal skill. Yeah,
2: I, and I, I'm and I'm totally like. To be clear, like I am totally fine with those the, that style of fight. You know, when you're up against somebody who's of similar abilities, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like I, in fact, I'm I'm totally on board with those being like the difficulty peak as yeah, well as they often are. Um, I just think in a game that is trying a lot of new things, um, those fights are asking a lot of you as a player in a way that I didn't find as enjoyable as the more kind of stock standard. This is a giant guy. He has big, honestly, when it, it like, I, I groan at like big weak points in most other games with boss fights, but it was some, there was something really cool about, okay, you need to open up the, with your unite claws. open up the weak spot mm. so we could smash it with the hammer. Climb there inside. Was something really sa- <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was just something really satisfying and, tactile and enjoyable about that whereas those fights against the prince kind of Mm. they removed that and it turned it into a much more yeah technical action game and again i probably at the time um of fighting the when i fought the prince in my playthrough i probably didn't have the knowledge that i have now about the combat system so i don't know if that would help or not in in retrospect maybe i need to revisit those fights but at the time I, I didn't enjoy them I as think much. it's
3: what it's like you say the game tries a lot of different new things but still wants to include some staples of the yeah, of the yeah. genre that uh, Kamiya of course uh, helps popularize or was instrumental in in uh, developing but uh, yeah just this, this just doesn't really work in the setup of the wonderful 101 not not as good in any case yeah, yeah. what about some of the other boss fights including the
0: epic epic epic?
2: final showdown enjoyable i i thought it was fun i I mean a lot of the a lot of it is broken up with just shmup sequences yes (laughs) um and that that is a language that's just way easier to understand so all of that stuff was just kind of Maybe less interesting, but like frictionless as well. Like it was, it was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot easier to just do that. Good point. Um, and I, and I think at that point, like especially most of Operation Nine, I think like the game is doing a bit of a victory lap. Um, yeah. and I didn't feel, funnily enough, I didn't feel the difficulty as intensely with those final encounters as I did with earlier, earlier encounters. Mm. I did, I did genuinely enjoy. Maybe, maybe to a shallow degree, but I did genuinely enjoy the final boss, boss, uh, boss sequence, I should say. Rather, yeah, than, uh, there's quite fight. some spectacle,
0: and you get fun things like the W, the wonderful beam attack, or whatever, yeah, and the yeah. P attack, and
2: yeah, and all the characters are bashing A at the same time. <laughs> what was the
3: final attack called again? I like, think I heard ooh. the word "final" in there twice. Yeah,
2: yeah. Big bang, little bang,
3: <laughs> justice. <laughs> it's
0: in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Toon Scottoon from our forum says The Wonderful 101 takes ideas and mechanics from 50 years of gaming and pop culture throws them into The Wonderful Mixer and spits out a smoothie of a game garnished with high quality music and art direction polished to a platinum shine and expects fans to suck it up through a straw I certainly sucked this game up I mean I sucked it up real bad I am terrible at The Wonderful 101 I battled through the game on normal difficulty earning an avalanche of consolation prizes Some of this has to do with the fact that I've never been all that comfortable with action games and some of this comes from the game changing its mechanics and gameplay style all the time so that the player is always off balance and some of it comes from the fact that I played the first two thirds of the game on handheld mode on my switch which really was a mistake. I didn't even realise I was making until I docked the devices and earned my first pure platinum score on the big screen. Once I had the larger character models to work with and a slightly better handle on how to augment my player with the stamp thingies, my scores in the game improved, but there were still plenty of moments as I brought down the Geth Jerk Federation where I felt less like the commander of a squadron of elite super soldiers and more like I'd turned up at a Halloween party where everyone was overserved and may end up injured, undressed and spouting nonsense at any moment. I'm not done playing with Platinum but I didn't find this title all that precious. Yeah, I I wouldn't recommend playing on the handheld screen on the Switch uh, unless you've got absolutely amazing eyesight.
1: I That's how I played ninety nine percent of it. Unfortunately, right? Um, but that was just due to kind of you know life limitations. It was sure. certainly a serviceable way, um, yeah, to, to play it. But um, but yeah, it did it did make some of those moments a little bit harder to parse.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
1: Might be tough with the uh, test Joy-Cons as well. I use the Monster Hunter Split, the Hori oh, Pad Pro, you yeah, because I'm yeah. a and nerd. You cool? Yeah. Because no, I'm cool. cool! That's right, Liam, yeah. thank you.
2: Yeah. yeah. Not a nerd. Hey, I have those
1: too. Yeah, they're awesome. <laughs> I am also I cool. <laughs> cool. I wish I did. Um, Welcome to the cool club.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Those,
0: uh, just, yeah. Th- we, obviously we talked a lot about the combat and it is the thing that you do the most of even though the game does have a lot of variety there are those uh little odd sections where you go into the gamepad on the original version uh, or yeah. you can flick it to the main screen i like the con- i like this conceptually i thought this was you know it feels like a throwback now and it is in a way because it's a 10 year old console but using the gamepad on the Wii U in interesting ways in the way that uh, some of the launch games did like Nintendo Land and Zombie U and stuff like that this was because this game was exclusively developed for the platform you could argue that some of the features that were used were gimmicky but actually I, I i quite like the idea of using it to display your kind of world within a world thing and yeah, um, me too. the rolling I mean, of the dice it... level things like that that was yeah,
3: cool. yeah, exactly, and it means that, you know, if you played on the Wii U, it does feel like something like an experience that's really unique for for the platform as well. Mm. So I I kind of like that as well. And um, you know, there's there's some parts that are so-so that feel gimmicky, but there's some parts that were actually like almost like little mind blowers for me, like especially the one where you're. Fighting inside one of those caffoon ships, uh, but you're also uh, you know so on the little screen, but then you're also controlling the ship and yeah. shooting other ships on the on the yeah. on the big screen. Uh, i I've, that was one of those real like big aha moments for me, mm. like uh, like when uh, uh, with the gamer uh, mini game in uh, in Game of Wario as well, where you mm. have to do the the little. Uh, micro games on the gamepad and yeah. you have to keep an eye on the big screen for your mother popping up from out of yeah. the television or from out of the window yeah it's fun yeah. there was there was yeah.
0: some you could do some cool things with that tech um yeah just didn't take off
3: fun fact but it's but it's still fun that it's there and now i actually kind of appreciate the sort of curio experience for sure more yeah maybe then uh then yeah
0: yeah uh, and of course, they they sort of took some of the ideas into their Star Fox uh, game, which also yeah. was yeah you know, well greeted with even even less praise overall than than this, um, and in some cases, uh, frustration. But that was more to do with the motion controls than the, the the use of the gamepad. I would say, maybe one day we'll cover that. Uh, fun fact not counting special morphs and morphs bought in the wonderful mart unite Bogun is the only unite morph never to be used in a qte according to the wiki i'd forgotten about unite bowgun until i accidentally <laughs> conjured it um girard from our forum says maybe it's because i was coming off such a cleanly designed game as hades but wonderful 101 felt like a total mess to me An ever-growing spaghetti pile of poorly explained and unintuitive mechanics and levels with challenges, enemies, environments, etc. that seem to want you to use one particular mechanic but do nothing to actually communicate it to you. And then it has the gall to grade your performance. Unlike Bayonetta, there wasn't really anything there in terms of tone, humour, story or character to compel me even at times when I didn't feel up to engaging with the idiosyncratic mechanics. At one point, a boss fight was really dragging, but it didn't seem like I was doing anything wrong. So I eventually paused and looked up a YouTube video, and the video was 15 minutes long, and the boss was just as bullet spongy as I'd feared. But also, there was one obscure brief moment when I was supposed to use a little used contextual mechanic to build a bridge to another area to continue fighting, which the game did not communicate at all. That's the wonderful 101 experience. I'm not usually one to return to a, uh, return a game, and even more rarely one to uh, one to return a gift. But days after receiving the game, I found myself getting actively angry and stressed out by some of the, uh, by some roulette mini game that communicated nothing about its win condition, and which I'd only reached by brute forcing through a number of fights where I had no idea what the cause of my deaths were or how they could be averted. I realized that I was unlikely to have anything resembling a good time with this game. So I boxed it up and took advantage of Amazon's generous gift return policy to send it back.
1: I don't want to talk too much about it because I know we've already kind of been through it. But um, if it wasn't for me, if it wasn't for playing this game for the for the show, I might have had almost an exact experience that Gerard had. Yeah, Um, I was very close um, a couple times to just being like, I I don't know what I'm doing. I I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Having so much trouble finding the fun. And I eventually mm-hmm. got there. and Now I'm having a blast with it, as I said before. so yeah. I, didn't wanna, I don't want to belabor the point, but but that no, no, no. That, a that could deal. have very easily been me writing that co- piece of correspondence. Um. At, yeah. You know, three four hours in.
0: No, it's an important thing, and and hopefully there'll be be some people who did pay for this game, whether it was back in 2013, 40 quid on the Wii U, or or uh, or bought it more recently and bounced off it in the way that we do because of some of the issues we talked about. But maybe they'll be inspired to go back and try it based on your experience or 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 or, or the enthusiasm from uh, from McKeel as well uh in terms of extra modes there's like a there's like a yeah it's like a mission mode isn't there um which are some just sort of uh, single arena's combat scenarios but i think is it these you can do in multiplayer i think it says like up to 5 players yeah. or yeah, something yeah you
3: can up I, to four i think with four players yeah. i have
0: no idea what that would look like or how that will work? Presumably, it's. It, I played I'm, a
3: little bit of that in the uh, NoE offices. Yeah.
0: Okay. Any? Does it work? I Did it Had to
3: record work? some footage. Yeah, it works all right. It's uh, everybody's in a corner with their little. Uh, I see. Uh, wonderful squad. Wonderful one squad. Uh, yeah, you can imagine the frame rate uh, not really holding up though.
0: One thing I was thinking <laughs> about, yeah. Yeah. Takes you back to the days of uh, four-player split-screen. Sc- um, golden eye yeah or, or lilac wars <laughs> whatever. yeah yeah um but yes that again it those are the kind of extra features uh that will if if you've absolutely you know rinsed the main yeah. game will give you a bit of extra it's gonna money.
3: be tough to find people to play with locally though oh yeah so, like, yeah uh, <laughs> yeah to any sort of efficient modicum who
0: doesn't have a bunch of character action fans of were you, did they did they include this in the uh, remaster? I assume they did. They wouldn't have ripped it out, would they?
1: Yeah, it's, it says on there I haven't engaged with it at all. No,
0: sure. Yet. No, I don't think get, it's the draw- Get the kids
3: the around. Point. First, let them play through the campaign. Yeah. yeah. Teach them the ropes. Yeah. Teach, teach them the
0: ropes. Teach them all the <laughs> the buttons and the, <laughs> the essential mechanics that yeah. the game doesn't uh-huh. bother. Yeah. It doesn't seem like much of a... Uh, but presumably, there's someone out there playing it. I don't know. Yeah. Neil Piper from our Patreon says, While The Wonderful 101 is not one of my favourite games, it is one I'm pretty fond of. My brother got an early copy at PAX West 2013, two weeks before the US release date. At that PAX, you could queue to get the box signed by the director. The line was short enough that he got, in, got it in it a second time and got the disc signed as well. That he could easily get through the line twice probably didn't bode well for sales. He was kind enough to lend it and his Wii U to me and I played through it over a few days. I enjoyed the unique experience and strategy of the Unite powers, the energy and earnestness of the characters and the colourful settings. By the third ending though I think I was ready to be done, though I am glad it gave us the chance to get a Platinum level score playing as the Platinum Robo in a game by Platinum Studios. (laughs) <laughs> at the end of 2013 i briefly worked for nintendo phone support and the employee store had wonderful 101 shirts on clearance so i picked one up for my brother as a belated thank you also he was the only person i knew who had the wonderful 101 it's always a game it'll always be a game i have good memories of even if they are mostly game adjacent <laughs> uh wonder bayonetta is possibly the 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 feature unlockable. You have to get every single. So the game has its own achievement sort of uh, set, uh, quite a large set of bottle caps um, that would be trophies. I assume they've just been ported over directly as trophies and achievements to Steam and PlayStation, the bottle caps. Um, I haven't actually checked that, but that would make sense. Um, Some of them are normal, straightforward. You'll get them by playing the game stuff, and some of them are, are more specific challenges and uh, high-level play and stuff like that. There's also Unite Big, which I I mentioned earlier, a powerful bonus morph. Unite Big is only unlocked by levelling up 100 characters to Platinum Rank. Accessed by drawing a capital B, Unite Big combines the heroes into a massive version of the main hero who uses the current leader's Unite Morph. Unite Big then lets the heroes deal massive damage to enemies and even break many enemy guards minor wonderful ones do not have unite big forms only red blue green pink yellow white black goggles which is uh luca red uh emeritus which is the father of the current red is that right um and immortal vorken chugi and wonder bayonetta have them yeah. Despite the name, the phrase Unite Big is not used by the Wonderful Ones. Instead, they shout Unite, name of user. If you see what I mean. <laughs> in the case of vorkan and Chugi, they shout Unify. Instead of Unite, Bayonetta also shouts out something different. She will shout a phrase in Enochian, extracted from her game of origin. So presumably nice. they got the, the voice actors back in to do the Bayonetta.
2: Does she say avocado? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, possibly
0: it's stuff they might have just ripped samples out of her out of yeah. the, the sound library.
2: One the Director
3: yeah. is in there also is an Easter egg. Hideki Kamiya himself is a wonderful one. Ah and is that the cat little And he's voice acted by the the man himself. Of course. He talk I think he talks some smack in English. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> and um
0: that's his avatar on Twitter, is it his little it's his little wonderful one oh one version of himself, isn't it I think?
3: No, I think that's just his just a generic uh, cartoon avatar that he oh. used, and then afterwards he drew a wonderful 101 mask on it as well with the Famicom card uh, stuck in his uh, skull. Uh, okay, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: the Wonderful 101 Remastered has a set of wonderful codes, uh, which you can enter, which yeah, unlock uh, the various things there. They're available, they're out there, those codes, um, for yeah, unlocking. Uh, oh, it's got Jean and uh, Rodin in as well as Bayonetta and uh, a few other new ones and some from the main game. So lots of stuff to chew on. Busca Lily from the forum is our final correspondent. Other than three word reviews for this podcast, we have Busker who says, I love Platinum's brand of simple to learn, difficult to master, hair trigger dodging combat. But this combines it with a colourful bombastic world that is just so fun. It feels so perfectly at home among a Nintendo consoles lineup. And that theme music gets me genuinely pumped. It's a mainstay of the gym playlist for me. And it makes me nostalgic for a childhood that maybe never even existed. Truly wonderful. You can play the wonderful 101 song when you're ironing or in the gym. (laughs) In just three words. Follow us on Twitter at Cana
2: Skatoon says, sketchy and switch. Ben Parry says, not quite beautiful. Billy Cupid says, fiddly, but rewarding. Pacheco De Jesus says, diplomacy has failed. Deadbeat Punk says, delightful with gamepad. Luke Summer says, Saturday morning magnificence.
0: And Joba Bonobo says, one stoppable, one beatable, wonderful.
3: Nice Very good
0: Uh, So I think uh, I'm probably going to start with Josh as it goes Okay For a summary cool. I didn't say what we were doing We're doing a summary (laughs) You you may have listened to this Hey
2: everybody we're doing a summary (laughs) So um, I think I average out at liking uh, Wonderful 101 But this is a game where there's moments that I absolutely love and there are moments that I absolutely hate. It's all over the place for mm-hmm. me. Um, some of that is to do with the game's onboarding. Um, I think we've we've discussed um, several points during the podcast. I ju- I, I, it just doesn't do a very good job of teaching you. Some of it is just, uh, I think, actual like lack of um, consistency in terms of your ability to execute certain things readability in the actual levels themselves and and certain scenarios of enemies um it's just lacking that precision that clockwork precision that i think Plat- platinum have demonstrated multiple times that they're they're more than capable of um and it it, it just because of it's missing that exacting standard it can't quite Um, hold a candle to some of my absolute favourites in this genre, but I still recommend it. I think if, if you, I know it's quite expensive right now, but if it ever goes on sale on Steam or any console, the console of your choice, it's worth checking out it it's it's so fascinating it it's it's definitely a curio and and there's very little out there like it obviously we we you can compare it to other stuff like beautiful joe and and pickman but really it's it's quite a unique animal and i think it's worth experiencing for that in of itself it there's just nothing else like it thanks
0: josh broadly i am in wholehearted agreement yeah uh high highs and some frustrating lows i think it's tricky because you could say yes it's it 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 is it is the game's fault for not explaining itself well enough for people to kind of get the most out of it i think it's even it's even sort of a marketing issue in the sense that this game looks just so you know cartoony and accessible maybe child friendly could be family friendly uh, and it is but only if you play it on the you know the easiest level if you want to play it like a a lego one of the lego games that we covered earlier this year uh you can just stick it on very easy and kind of blast through it and see all the funny stuff and the spectacle and the wonderful graphics and the funny music and all that and you would probably have an okay time maybe not a full price games worth of of, of fun but maybe um but i think it's almost like the developer and i don't know about nintendo in terms of publishing and marketing but it's almost like well you know what we do we did these other games like this so you trust us there is a deep complex and rewarding game for enthusiasts in here you just need to learn how to play it yourself <laughs> and if you do that it can be so satisfying and rewarding some of the individual combat sessions sections Going through the set pieces, wrecking shop, getting pure platinums, that lovely little chime, uh, which I think is pretty much the same one as they, they use for Bayonetta to denote that you've uh, you've aced a section. Um, watching enemies getting literally split apart, exploding into shards of light. Turning your uh, your group of little dudes into uh, massive plastic swords and fists and chopping up enemies that's all great uh but you won't get very far until you learn the ropes and the ropes really the way to learn them is to go onto youtube find those saurian videos and think about actually think about it and think about uh deploying those newly learned skills back into the game or maybe maybe if you know if you're just if you totally vibe with the developers you'll you'll kind of work it all out for yourself but um but i think a mistake that i made and that loads of us have made uh loads anecdotally lots of players have made of of, to go to go in and simply kind of rely on the basics that the game does show you and then bounce off it literally you watch your big group of people bouncing off of enemies you you get attacked your health bar starts to get chipped away and you don't feel like you're you don't feel like you're a group of heroes you feel like you're a group of chumps um (laughs) and it it takes away it takes away the your momentum and your enthusiasm and it and it and it's in in contrast to the the sense of of fun and and awesomeness that the game's obviously trying to give you so yeah basically it's i suppose what i'm trying to say is it's it's an investment it it is it's a game that that will reward you but you you need to be prepared to to put in a bit of time and learning to get the most out of it otherwise like me you can end up playing like 20 30 hours before you even really realize what the fundamentals are uh so yeah with all that said yes just about overall i like it um but it's it's a it's a it's a recommend with caveats brian
1: yeah i'm going to i'm going to try to not tread too much of the same ground that that yourself and josh have i i, I can actually say that i think this is a game that for the for the first you know fifteen twenty hours, I r- I really didn't like that much. Mm. But now I think it's a game that I that I might end up loving. Mm. Um, you know when 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 it's all said and done. Um, we've kind of talked around it, but the the thing I I think I appreciate the most about Wonderful One Hundred One is that it's it's really not afraid to take any type of chance. Like the amount of different like game genres, kind of game breaking things it puts in there. You know, from these Punch Out Boss fights to these mm. kind of on rails, uh, you know, space shooting sections. When then. You're inside the ship fighting that that kind of underground maze, uh, where you're under the glass and you gotta oh, yeah. kind of use both screens to do those. Like it tries a lot of really neat things, and and to, to just completely uh, echo what Josh was saying, it's it's its own unique thing, and and that's a that's an experience that <clears throat> even if I came out of it not being that hot on, I think I'd give it points just for being unique, and cause there's a lot of a lot of games to play and there's a, there's new games coming out every day and 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 a lot of them are very similar to other types of games but with Wonderful 101 it's it's definitely its own unique thing It's it's so unique from platinum games in in that regard and and we're making these comparisons to Beautiful Joe into a and to Bayonetta another thing Vanquish and other things but it's really not quite like any of them it's it's its own very much its own distinct thing and i think that alone is enough to, to encourage anybody to give it a go. But but I can say with with absolutely no problems at all that um, that the game did not telegraph to me in any effective means how I should actually be playing it. But after having watching those videos and after having gone back in and doing a few of those things, I can say that the, the last five hours I've played of this game ha- have brought nothing but joy to me, and I plan on seeing it through once again to the end, knowing now what I know. And uh, I think that in a couple months from now, my, my opinion on this game in its entirety is, is probably going to be even higher than it is now. So it's definitely worth a go, um, but with with several caveats and tags and addendums onto that.
0: <laughs> it's a feel-good story of the year, though.
3: Exactly. <laughs> you love to see that kind of turnaround. Yeah. You.
1: Uh,
0: and Mikhail, who didn't need that kind of turnaround, and that's why he brought this game to us for yeah. Volume
3: 11. Yeah, it's it's just one of those games, the wonderful 101 that really speaks to me. That's in some weird way throughout its bizarre uh, mismatchiness, incorporates a lot of what attracted me to video games in the first place and uh, what I love about them as a uh, phenomenon. Um and yeah, I um when when the big coup was announced that Bayonetta 2 was coming to uh, the Wii U mm. exclusively um, and I was getting really excited about it. All of a sudden this sort of low profile little game called the Wonderful 101 uh, started popping up and you know the, like it wasn't even part of the main Nintendo Direct, there was just some videos afterwards that really? were getting wow. shared, shared about it uh, and The more towards, um, yeah, the, uh, let's say, the more towards the final um, release of Bayonetta 2, the more I started thinking, you know, Bayonetta 2 might be really good and fluid and what have you, but this is the new Hideki Kamiya game, Mm. and I can't actually wait to see what he has in store with this bizarre concept. Um, And it, turned out to be the game that I ended up preferring much more in the end. And yeah. it has, granted, it has lower lows. It has, it doesn't explain itself very well at all. I was lucky. I wouldn't have figured all the uh, minutiae out by myself either, but I was lucky that I was already in contact with Sor mm. and that uh, he shared those videos with me before uh, he uh, published them. Uh, so I was kind of cued into what I should be doing in this game already. So I hit the ground running, so to speak. So my experience was already from the be- beginning quite quite different from the rest of you. Um, and, you know, the more, the better you get at the game, the more all the little gripes and issues you have sort of start disappearing with some exceptions. Mm-hmm. I think not everything is a success in the game and the low points are fairly low. For example, the, the platforming bits do stay uh, a sticking point with me. Um, and some of the minigame sections are also not great. But yeah, overall the highs are just just high enough for me that it puts it up in my uh, up on my uh, epic shelf. That uh, Leon and uh, and uh, De- uh, Darren, of course, it's a Darren uh, often, thing. The epic mentioned. shelf, it's a Darren yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, it's an epic shelf game for wow. me. So, and that's why I uh, couldn't wait to uh, to talk about it. I love the epic
0: shelf because it doesn't like it doesn't. Denigrate any other games. It's not one of those ranking things where this is better than that. No. It's just like this, I love this, so it goes yeah. on my epic shelf.
3: Uh, it's one of those uh, little boxes with the uh, disc inside that you just want to pick up and hug, you know? Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thanks, uh, everybody. Just
0: remains for me, Leon, to thank Brian, Josh, Michiel, Editor Jay, our correspondents, and of course, as always, you for listening. So next time in issue 516. We finally arrived after some years of doing the Mario Kart series at Mario Kart 8, which will obviously also incorporate the Switch de- Deluxe version. What we didn't know, of course, when we scheduled the show was that this, this story was not over. So we're, we're we're recording this when only four of 48 new tracks have been announced. But we think we've got a handle on Mario Kart 8 at this point um, as much as we're thrilled about all those other DLC tracks that are on the way We're still going to do it. Mario Kart 8 in issue five. It might need a
3: uh, a second uh, (laughs) discussion like uh, Resident Evil 4 got to podcast. Could be. 48 track special. Uh,
0: Or maybe. Anyway, enjoy uh, and uh, we'll see you next time.